Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20, racing near sideline 10, turn of the 5, touchdown Raiders! The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby! Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. As we kick off hour number two, I'm checking out the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. This is from the 707. If the Raiders do end up trading back into round one, it'll be because they traded back from pick seven, and they'll use one of those extra picks to do it. That being said, I have a feeling they'll end up with maybe Brian Branch and Hendon Hooker because I don't see them picking a DB at number seven. The Patriots never pick DBs that high. That's from the 707. This is Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. DeMond Cotton behind the wheels of steel. I'm your boy Q, rocking with you till 5 o'clock. And join us now on the phone lines talking all things silver and black is our friend Tristan Kuhn, NFL draft analyst, TWSN, the Right Way Sports Network on Twitter, at Kuhn Tristan. And Tristan, thanks so much for your time. We do appreciate you. And uh, what do you think, man? What do you think at the top of the draft? There's been a lot of conversation about the Raiders going maybe with a quarterback. Uh, a lot of mock drafts, including Mel Kuyper's latest, have a DB and Devin Witherspoon going top uh, in, in the, with their first pick. What does your gut feeling tell you about that first pick that the Raiders have this year? What do you, what direction do you think they go? Uh, first of all, I appreciate the opportunity. Um, but it's tough because, you know, I think it all depends, first of all, on what happens pick three. You got the Cardinals. They're definitely not picking there. So whoever trades up to that spot, I think it determines a lot of what they end up doing at pick seven. Because I think there's an opportunity that Will Levis, not Will Levis, sorry, Will Anderson Jr. ends up, um, you know, on the board at seven, and I just don't see how the Raiders could, could pass on that. But at the same time, you got you're gonna have teams trying to trade up for Will, uh, Will Anderson. So you kind of got to weigh the pros and cons. Do you value, say, Miles Murphy or Lucas Van Ness almost on that same level? Um, and you trade back, get the picks, and then end up taking more players because this defense and this roster in general does need more more talent. Uh, but I can see I don't see DB as much as I want the ball with this team. Um, so I think I think it's either Will Anderson or trade down. What um what makes you feel like Will Anderson is really going to drop though to seven? I, I just I don't feel like he gets past like four or five at the worst. I, it, it's more or less it's just the uh, like there's an opportunity where if. Four QBs go, you know, one through four. Yeah, yeah. And then Seahawks or Lions take a roll on Jalen Carter. There's, I mean, the other one's probably going to end up taking the corner some some reason. Um, both teams do need the secondary help. So that, that gives them a shot at Anderson. I don't think he ends up at seven. I, I do think he probably ends up maybe to the Lions at six or the Seahawks at five. Uh, but it just really depends on, I think, how teams value Jalen Carter. Yeah, no, that's that's a great point. Tristan Coons, our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Speaking of Jalen Carter, he's in town today visiting with the Silver and Black, and he's actually one of the options that I threw out there on the table for kind of the one-two punch as far as uh, a draft pick early and a draft pick, like the first two picks that the Raiders have. Uh, what are your thoughts on Jalen Carter? Do you think he's a possibility for the Silver and Black, and how much would he help that defense that we all know needs a lot of help? I love Jalen Carter. The best defensive tackle in the class. I think he's one of the best defensive tackles in the past decade to be a draft prospect. Maybe only a few guys in front of him. Um, but there are the obvious, you know, off-field issues, and not just related to the accident uh, and the whole incident. That he showed up to his pro day. Granted, it was he was dealing a lot, but he showed up overweight, out of shape. Um, you know, 
that's a big that's a big red flag. Uh, granted, he, as I said, he was dealing with a lot, so it depends really. I think how he does in interviews, and if the Raiders are willing to just take a gamble and hope that veteran guys like you know Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, even you know John Jennings isn't a big name or anything, but he's a veteran guy that definitely is going to be able to give his input and kind of keep up the uh, keep up the mentality of players. You no. Know? And then when it comes to the Raiders in this draft, we all know that DB is a position of need. We all know that they could use a lot of places on defense. But are there some under-the-radar guys, maybe not in the first round because we know Witherspoon, Gonzalez, but maybe a corner that you think, hey, the Raiders will maybe be better suited taking this guy in the second or third round? I don't think off the top of my head is anyone that, you know, probably better taking value-wise than Witherspoon or Gonzalez. But, I, I mean, if they choose to go a different option, the second round you're going to have Garrett Williams from Syracuse, Tyreek Stevenson from Miami, uh, maybe even if you want to, you can go Julius Pledge, Kansas State, Turner from Michigan, um, Emmanuel Forbes. He's reportedly uh, said he's up to 180 pounds. He wants to be about he wants to be about 185 by the beginning of camp, so he's an option. I think there's a lot there's a lot of corner depth in you know that second third round, so. As much as Witherspoon and Gonzalez are those top guys that you could, I think, a blue-chip corner prospects as rare as that is, you have value down the board. And if you strike out or if you choose not to go that route, you can find starting caliber potential you know, top 15 corners in this class. Talking all things uh, Raiders right now with Tristan Kuhn, talking a little NFL draft. We're going to also talk about their uh, current roster that they have. But I wanted to ask about a couple defensive tackles. If they don't go Jalen Carter uh, because of obvious reasons and they choose to go maybe second, third round for a defensive tackle, which we all believe that they need, is there a guy that you're looking at that you think that, uh, hey, this guy could fit with what Patrick Graham wants to do and really compliment Max Crosby and Chandler Jones? Um, I'm so happy about that. Uh, he's a guy that's been like, He's been talked about the entire draft process, but, process, but he's never been, like, the top name. Um, it's Keanu Benton from Wisconsin. He's one of only three tackles in this entire class to have an over 10% uh, pass rush and run-stop win rate in his career. Those two are Carter and Mozzie Smith from Michigan. But, I mean, Benton just has insane explosiveness. His first step is crazy good. Good pass rush moves. He's probably a better run defender, but he can switch between that three tech and that nose, which, as we know, Graham loves the versatility. And his DBs, his D line, even his linebackers. It's just something that seems like the whole staff in general also is a huge fan of. And I, I just, the value also is going to be a little bit interesting because I don't think he's great value at 38, but he's definitely not last until you know, the third round pick. And then with the Raiders, we know they have 12 draft picks. They're not going to use all 12 of those picks. So how aggressive do you think they need to be when it comes to trading up or trading back? I mean, personally, I think they make maybe between 12 or 14 picks. I don't think they're going to make less. I think especially in that sixth, seventh round, I think there's going to be a ton of just trying to find good quality death players, maybe not starters. But I do think they need to be aggressive with, trading down in certain instances, I would like to see maybe add another third or fourth round pick because in this class, I feel the value, and I, I don't think I'm the only one, that feels the value in this, you know, that mid-second round, but the mid-fourth round, early fifth round is a lot better than, say, what you're going to find in the first round. And the Raiders, the Raiders have a good history. Even last year, it wasn't the best, you know, rookie class. They didn't make the most impact outside of Munford and, um, but Neil Farrell and, 
and uh, Matthew Butler. In their snaps, they did look semi-productive. Uh, they were both developing, which is a huge track, too. But I don't have any reason to doubt that Ziggler can find those mid-round guys. So that you need to be a bit aggressive in trying to add more picks there. But if you see a guy that's falling and he's high on your board, there's no reason not to say take one of those picks and jump back up. Jump back up in the top end of the, you know, the back end of the first round, jump back up into the second. Or even if, say, you really do truly feel that, say, for some reason, C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson is available at three and you want and you want to go out and get your quarterback in the future, which I don't agree with this year, then trade up. Be aggressive. Get, get your guys. Don't let the board come to you. You need to go to the board. I got just a couple more questions for you. I wanted to ask about a guy that you did, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a not a rundown, but uh, you know, a profile on, and that's uh, Jose Ramirez uh, out of Eastern Michigan, and he's a JUCO guy, and uh, you kind of classified him as possibly a Max Crosby clone. What can you tell us about Jose Ramirez? So Ramirez and Crosby, the size difference couldn't it couldn't be different. Both of them, you know, coming out, Crosby was. I think they're about the same weight, but Crosby, you know, 6'5", 6'6". Ramirez is touching 6'2", if that. Um, but they both have insane effort. Uh, Mainly Ramirez, you know, he's every play, he's through the whistle, through, through any single snap, he's never kind of letting back. Even if there's a run play to the left side and he's on the right side, he's hustling downfield to try and make a tackle. Um, he's an athletic freak. He has a crazy first step, good bend. He, he's smart, knows how to use the how to use the tackle against them. Uh, he you know he uses he reads their leverage and uses it for his advantage. So he's he's got the instincts, he's got the athletic profile. He just needs to add some strength. He needs to kind of slow down in a way too. I think that was you know we saw we see it with Crosby still is he gets going so fast and he gets moving he kind of over pursues in a way and misses a sack here and there. I think Ramirez does the same thing. But if you can kind of just get him to. Calm down, develop some strength. He's got he's got a lot of the tools to be a good productive player. He's probably no more than a six round pick. You strike out, it's whatever. But the upside, the upside's clear. Also wanted to ask you about Devin White. Uh, a lot of Raider fans would love the Raiders to make a move for him. I was a fan of him before they drafted Cleve Farrell, but they only got one year left on his deal, so I, I'm kind of like, yeah, there's no reason to go get him now. But uh, what are your thoughts on Devin White, and, and should the Raiders be interested in him? See, I, I'm not, I haven't been the hugest fan of Devin White. His rookie year, you know, had all the sack production, had more than Klee, you know, tackles. He's still struggling coverage his entire career. It's something he did at LSU, but, you know, he's so athletic. You just thought that in the NFL, better coaching, he's kind of kind of developed into this top-end coverage guy, and he just hasn't. He's been one of the worst in the league. His, last year, he looked a bit lazy at times. He kind of missed in his run fits. Granted, I'm not a huge fan of him in the Todd Bowles offense, I mean defense, but he made plays. Um, he also made plenty that weren't great, and I just don't think it's a smart investment in the Raiders, in the Raiders end, to ship out probably premium draft capital is what the Bucks are going to want, and give him $11 million this year, plus he probably is going to want about top 10 money at the linebacker position, which right. is a lot. Um it just it doesn't make sense from a team building standpoint right now to go out and pay so much money to a guy that's not proven to be that guy. Drafting a linebacker is risky. Any position is risky. But I feel like this class, I'm one of the few that actually does really like this linebacker class. Um, I feel there is guys at the top end of that second, third round that you can find that's probably going to be better value than Devin White. Who? Give me one. Give me one or two of them that you're interested in. 
I, I, I love uh, Jack Campbell from Iowa. You know, okay. big athletic freak. Uh, great, great run defender. Has some good coverage instincts. You know, he's not the best in man coverage, but most of the time, they're not really putting the linebackers in a one-on-one situation. Uh, and then, and Dayon Henley from Washington State. You know, he's pretty similar, he, but he's a, he's a better coverage guy. His run defense is going to need some work. He kind of misses some angles here and there. He's only 23 years old, been playing college football since 2018. Switched from wide receiver. He's got great ball instincts. He understands route concepts because he was a receiver. He knew the route concepts. He can read a quarterback well. I think Henley has a lot of, he has a lot of potential to develop into a, uh, into a star caliber linebacker, but he also has a lot of potential to just completely miss if you can't develop him. So he's one of those boomer bust guys, but there's a lot more leaning in favor of him succeeding. His name is Tristan Kuhn. You can find him on the Right Way Sports Network NFL Draft Analyst, breaking down all things silver and black, breaking down all things NFL Draft. Tristan, great stuff, man. Thanks so much for giving us some time this afternoon. We definitely appreciate you. What, uh, what are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? I got, I got a couple more sound reports coming out. Um, just, you know, that's the build-up for the draft, trying to get out at least 100 this year. I think I'm at 65 so far, so a few more to go. Um, and then just, you know, my, uh, yeah, my drafts and player profiles on the Raiders. All right, there it goes. Well, good stuff, man. We definitely appreciate you, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, sir. Tristan Kuhn right there. You can find him on Twitter at Kuhn. That's K-U-H-N. Tristan. And here with us on Raider Nation Radio 920, the Right Way Sports Network. 316 is the time. We'll come back, get to your some calls and some texts. Got plenty of them. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Threw the question out there. And we'd love to hear from you. Remember, we got Ted Wynn from The Athletic coming up at 3.30, talk all things Hendon Hooker. He put out a really good piece on The Athletic, why Hendon Hooker is one of the most difficult quarterbacks to evaluate in 2023's NFL draft. That's coming up in a few minutes, uh, give a lie or two. But we want to uh, hear from you at 702-365-9200. Of course, at don'tbebroke.com, text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Basically talking about the first two picks for the silver and black, wherever you think that they're going to end up falling. For me personally, I just happen to think that they're both going to end up in the first round, but that's just me, just my gut feeling. But if it boiled down to Jalen Carter and Hendon Hooker, a top cornerback in Hendon Hooker, or Tyree Wilson and Hendon Hooker, which one would you prefer? Or maybe none of the above is the answer that you would prefer. We want to hear from you at 69187, keyword R&R. Mailman Raider say, Q, I'm going with Carter and Hooker. We keep saying that we need stars in Vegas, and I think Carter, Carter offers the most potential to be that star, especially being next to Mad Max. I just hope we can find someone to replace Chandler, at least spell him, or hopefully Kuntz could take that next step. That's from Mailman Raider. Definitely appreciate that. Hearing a lot of Carter, hearing a lot of Hooker, Carter and Hooker, Carter and Hooker. Also hearing a lot of Mad Max can have his back. Mad Max can kind of groom him along, along with Chandler Jones. And I've said that as well because I think that these guys are veterans that can help them, help a guy like Jalen Carter just – uh, you know, be a pro, be a really good player in the NFL. And, and, and similar to what he's like, I think Philadelphia, if he happens to drop to 10, which would be surprising if he makes it all the way to 10, they have guys in place that can help basically be the babysitter that he needed at Georgia. And, you know, that's, uh, that's uh, the, the two former Georgia, uh, you know, d- defensive linemen that they have there. And Kobe Dean and, uh, and what's the big man's name again? I forgot the big man's name. Jordan Davis. Yeah, Jordan Davis. Those two guys basically played that role in uh, in Georgia, and so I can see that being a good fit in Philadelphia. But I got this really good 
tweet, and I do appreciate it, uh, says, I have decades in NA and AA, and it's not a member's responsibility to get another person sober or straightened out. Talking about Jalen Carter here. If they want help, they have to ask for it, and coworkers is not the best sponsor. Second, Jalen Carter's issues are not drugs or alcohol, so why do people think Max can help him at all? If I was Max, I'd be insulted. Why should I be asked to stop a person from street racing? And I'd refer it to Chandler Jones or any other player who has a great work ethic. Stop saying Max should fix people from another 12-stepper. So there's that. What are your thoughts, Damon? Well, first, I'm not going to uh, dismiss that person's um, experience at all when it comes to that. I'm sure that that's their experience and that's what they can go through. But I do think that when it comes to team sports, that it is that different level of you know, camaraderie that you do have to feel. It's more than just being your coworker. Where you know, Jared and I, we go to the hockey game last night, but yeah. we are still at the end of the day coworkers. I'm not depending on Jared to help me. It's just a different bond. You hear these guys when you're playing. You know, when you're retired, it's like yeah, it's a little different now that we're retired. But it's the yeah, that's my brother. I right. I die for my brother out right. there on the field because you have to have that level of trust when the game is as serious as it is. I know we say it's a game, but the game is that serious as we saw with Demar Hamlin where sometimes it is a matter of life and death out there on the football field. So I don't think that it's not as easy to say, well, why should Max, why would he be offended? If someone looks at you and say, hey, you are star in the league, we think that you could be a great mentor to a guy that's troubled, why would anyone take offense to that to say you're a shining example of how someone can you know, get their life back on track of maybe having some struggles in the NFL? I don't see why anyone would be offended by that. When we hire new people at work, I have like that, I'm a trainer guy. We have the, uh, we have, excuse me, interns. Whereas, hey, right. you're, you're going to, you know, learn from Demona a little bit. I take pride in that, that. That my job feels that. Hey, we need to train somebody new. Demona, show them the ropes. Yes, I mean it's, it's part of having that C on your chest, right? Being the captain, just kind of showing the ropes to everyone. So uh, I totally understand where you're coming from, but I also understand where someone's coming from. Like, hey, well, we'll lean on Max to do it because Max has been there, done that. I think that the Raiders would lean on Max, and that locker room would lean on Max just to again. Show show Jalen or anyone else the ropes on how to be a pro, right? Not it's not necessarily about sobriety and all this other stuff. It's more about just doing what it takes to be a really good pro. And I think Max, to your credit, would be prideful in that. I know I would take pride if they said, "Hey, go run with Q because that's what a pro looks like," right? I'd be good with that. And also, they really skin. So it's not so much the drugs and sobriety, like about hey, he doesn't have an alcohol problem, but like you said, where it's that pride. And then when it comes from the best player on the team or the second best player on the team, you want to be, hey, this is the guy that's going to not say keep you in check, but this is the guy that you're going to be holding you accountable rather than this guy might not make the team in training camp. (laughs) Right. Or it's like, this dude telling me what to do? If you're going to lean on someone, lean on that guy, right? When you're watching Hard Knocks (laughs) and he's the guy that's getting the knock on the door, but you want, hey, but that's the guy, hey, man, you better do what he says. Right. No, that's a good point. That brings up a good point. So, uh, yeah, that's that. But a uh, great, great feedback, though. And that's why we throw the question out there. We'd love to hear the feedback from you at 702 365 9200. Also, our don'tbebroke.com text line is 69187, keyword RR. Before we get to Ted Wynn from The Athletic talking all things Hendon Hooker, wanted to let you hear what Mel Kuyper had to say earlier today on the pre draft conference call number two that he had, the final one before the actual draft coming up on the 27th. This is just about Hendon Hooker, his thoughts on, on the Tennessee quarterback. Yeah, Hendon Hooker is a guy that's going to have an opportunity, I think, maybe to be a late one. I've heard and seen you know, projections like Mike Tannenbaum had him at five. Some others think that to Minnesota at 23. I On ratings, this is where mock drafts skew the process a bit. On my ratings board, he's a late second. Um, and you say, why is that? Well, you know, he comes out of a quarterback-friendly offense, and by that I mean get the ball out quick in the shotgun. Great receivers to throw to. 
great offensive line, two couple two running backs who were very effective. Um, you know, he didn't have to go through long progressions. The ball came out pretty quick. Uh, he didn't have to roll left or right and throw in the move. Uh, he's coming off an ACL. He's 25 years of age. He'll be 26 in January. That doesn't bother. I don't really care much about the age. Coming off the ACL and the quarterback-friendly offense. Also, I've made this point. Joe Milton stepped in for him when he got hurt and lit it up. You know, Joe Milton in the bowl game against Clemson as an underdog uh, led them to a, a victory, lit it up, didn't even have Cedric Tillman and Jalen Hyde in that game. They're two top receivers. Yet the system allowed him to have great success, and he has talent. He's got a strong arm. So the quarterback-friendly offense really helped Hendon Hooker. There you go. Mel Kuyper right there breaking it down. And there is something to be said about Joe Milton just stepping in and not missing a beat. And that's something I saw a lot at Baylor. When one quarterback, when RG3 was gone, then it was someone else, right? Then it was someone else. Then it was someone else. And they all had success. Even a guy like Bryce Petty, who never had a lick of success in the NFL, right? He even said he learned how to read defenses on Madden, which is embarrassing. But that's what he said. And it's just, I mean, it's just the, the reality of it is nobody missed a beat when it was the next quarterback up in that system. What does Ted Wynn think? Well, we'll talk to him about it next. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Let's see. There's C.J. Stroud. There's Bryce Young. There's Anthony Richardson. There's Will Levis. And there's Hennon Hooker. And I'm not saying that's the order that they go in. I'm just saying those are the top five quarterbacks, I believe, in this upcoming NFL draft. And they all have different things about them that are great, and some of them have traits that aren't so great, and then they have some that are just plain, you know, confusing. You're not really sure exactly what the player is going to be on the next level, and that's when our next guest, Ted Wynn from The Athletic, joins us. Uh, He joins us to talk about one of those quarterbacks, and that's Hendon Hooker. He's got a piece out in The Athletic right now. Why Hendon Hooker is one of the most difficult quarterbacks to evaluate in 2023's NFL draft. And Ted, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate uh, the article that you put out as well. And there's a lot of things about Hendon Hooker, his age, the the surgery that he's coming off, the torn ACL. Uh, but the one for me that, that really kind of gets me not knowing who he's going to be on the next level is that Josh Heupel offense. Uh, you referenced the Baylor offense in your piece. I was there at Baylor, watched Art Bryles in the, what I like to call basketball on grass offense. And that's what got me confused. I didn't see any quarterback coming to the NFL that was great coming out of that offense. So how much does that offense kind of slow down the evaluation when it comes to hitting hooker? Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, difficult because one, you, you don't see anything like it in the pros. And two, I, I think it also ingrained some bad habits into quarterbacks as well. Um, so basically the offense is called, uh, or it's, you know, or you can call the series of plays, um, the deep choice offense where you're going to have one receiver who runs deep, the other receivers are going to run underneath or just run routes to occupy other uh, defenders. And that one receiver has a choice of running three or four different types of routes, depending on what the defense does. Um, but they're mostly just, you know, running deep to, to find space. And the quarterback kind of just drops back. He kind of keeps, he might check the safety rotation, but then he's going to lock eyes and just kind of stare down that one receiver to see what he does. And it's a great offense when it works uh, when you're running it right in college. And, you know, clearly there's been very productive quarterbacks in college running that offense. But, you know, you just don't see anything like that in the league. And the bad habits are you stare down your receiver and you kind of just – you don't really move from progression to progression like you would in the league. 
why uh why does it not work you know what i mean like how come that kind of offense i know you talked about the progressions and the eyes and you know it's one thing peyton manning pointed out he said that he thought that hendon hooker moved his eyes pretty well but how come just that offensive style hasn't translated to the nfl when we see other college concepts working um i think um you know for that type of offensive work you need really good receivers that have a significant advantage over uh, defensive backs, and you know you see that kind of mismatch in uh, college, whereas in the NFL, talent is pretty close to each other. You know, there's not huge mismatches coming in week to week, and when you're just going deep at play after play, you know, in the NFL, once people know what you're doing, it's just you know it's tough to run that kind of stuff over and over again. You need variety. Um, also, you don't have as much time to just kind of stare down a receiver going deep as much and NFL there's just multitude of ways where they can take away uh, plays like that. Again, we're talking with Ted Wynn from The Athletic here on Raider Nation Radio 920, talking all things Hendon Hooker. And I know one of the things that you pointed out in your article was uh, the torn ACL. Do you think that he might be able to use that to his advantage and kind of start to learn the NFL game while he basically redshirts the first year in the league? Yeah, and I think that's one of the drawbacks of him is, one, he's 25 years old, and to put that in perspective, Lamar Jackson is 26 years old, and he's played five years in the league already. So you're going to have a 25-year-old rookie who potentially might not um, play this much this year, depending on how much he recovers. So he'll be 26 when he actually plays, um, and you know you're wasting some prime years. There's also concern that you know, he might have maxed out his development already in college. Uh, he's much older than the guys he was playing, which is you know might explain why his stats are so good. All these are concerns when you're you're thinking about older prospects, and we, we we've seen older spro- prospects uh, at quarterback that have gotten some hype. You know that just hasn't worked out very well in the NFL before. So all those things are concerns. And yes, you know he could potentially use his redshirt year to learn an offense and, and pick it up. And I, you know I think that'd be good for him long term. But it just sort of thinks that, you know, he'll be 26 years old by the time he, he, he's ready to play in the NFL and, and get some experience, real experience. Ted wins our guest from The Athletic here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. My man DeMond's got one for you. And your time in watching film on Hendon Hooker, how good of an athlete was he? Because I know that the ACL injury, that's going to hinder him a little bit, but guys come back from those all the time. But when he was at full strength, how good of an athlete was he? I think he's a very good athlete. I don't think he's an elite athlete that you're going to try to run uh, a ton of option plays for. I think it's on the table with how athletic he is and how, how strong he is. He, you know, he can break away from tackles. He has speed to get away from some guys. Um, but, you know, it's not like a Jalen Hurts where you're going to run that style of offense for him. Uh, I think it's just like an added bonus that he can get away and create with his legs. And the option um, is there on the table with him in your offense. But it, it's not to a point where, you know, it, it, it's game-changing. And something that the no matter what offense you're in, that a quarterback's going to have to have that pocket awareness. How was he when the when a blitz was coming or moving around the pocket, not so much as getting out and running, but just being able to improvise and make a little bit more room for himself? I thought he was pretty good for the most part. But, again, I think, you know, this style of offense where you're just kind of taking your drop and kind of just staring guy down, uh, sometimes he, he looked a little too stationary and too static. And I think I would put that more on the offense than him, which is another reason why his evaluation is, is tough. Because, like, if he's just kind of staying static in the pocket because he has to, because he's just kind of staring down his deep choice, 
or is it because he lacks awareness and he's kind of you know just uh, statuesque in the, in, in the pocket? So you, you kind of have to determine which one it is. I know that this is a big if, but I've got to ask Uh-oh. with this if. If he were to say, let's say, 22 going on 23 years old, so not the youngest quarterback in the draft, but still like in that mid-range, do you think that he would be higher up on teams, let's say, uh, board when it comes to where they rank him in this list of quarterbacks? I think so. I, I do think so. I, I think there are some teams that aren't really counting his age as much. I think there are probably some teams that do consider his age more and some teams that are willing to say, you know, I don't think his age matters. I think he still has – a higher ceiling. Again, we're talking with Ted Wynn from The Athletic. His piece right now, why Hendon Hooker is one of the most difficult quarterbacks to evaluate in 2023's NFL draft. And, you know, Ted, with it being such a tough evaluation, does it really boil down to where he goes as opposed to who he is? If there's a really good coaching staff in place that can develop this young man into what they want him to be? Yeah, for sure. I think, I think it depends on where he goes. And I think a lot of the reason why he's suddenly getting you know first-round buzz right now is because He's doing so well in these meetings and um, impressing teams with his X's and O prowess and his ability to retain. So I think there's, there, there are teams that are just like, you know, this offense is weird and, you know, it doesn't really translate, but I think he has the football IQ uh, to pick up an NFL offense quickly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, it, interestingly enough, I know, I know we're talking about Hendon Hooker in context of, you know, the Raiders' interest in him. Jared Stidham actually played in in this offense, so mm-hmm. there's some you know there's some connectivity there. Yeah, no, there is. And again, I saw Jared Stidham at Baylor <laughs> running the same offense, and then when Browse was out, he was out. So there's that. Then he went to Auburn. But uh, do you think that Josh McDaniels would be interested in trying to develop a Hendon Hooker? And you know what kind of offense Josh McDaniels runs. Do you think Hendon Hooker would be able to pick that offense up? Well, I think there's some translation as it as, because. In Josh McDaniels' offense, traditionally, there's a ton of route conversions, a ton of different option routes. And, you know, he has experience kind of reading out those option routes. And, you know, there's kind of a, um, there's some guys that aren't really good with option routes because um, they want to know where their receiver's going to be and they want to be able to anticipate where they're going to be, whereas some other quarterbacks are better because, you know, even though they're not sure, once they see it happen, they can quickly register and, and throw the ball. So I think there's some, um, there's some, you know, common ground there. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I could see why Josh McDaniels might think that um, Hooker will be a good fit in his system. I know that we're having the Hendon Hooker conversation now, but I do want to ask not so much about the other quarterbacks in the draft, but which quarterback, let's say, of the consensus top five, do you think ran the most pro-style offense at their college? Uh, surprisingly, you know, I think Anthony Richardson. Um, you know, a lot of people think he is a developmental project. There's things that he has to get better at. But at Florida, you know, they didn't run this like super spread type of offense where they're throwing a ton of bubble screens and um, they didn't even. T- I, I thought they didn't do a really good job of taking advantage of his, his legs as much as they should have. Um, you know, they ran kind of an outside zone play action system with a ton of drop back concepts. Um, and obviously, Will Levis ran um, had NFL offensive coordinators uh, the last two uh, two years uh, at Kentucky, so he was running kind of that Shanahan system. Um, so, so those two guys, their their offense probably translate the most to what you're going to see in the pros. Ted Wynn is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So as far as the, the big quarterbacks that DeMond just mentioned, I mean, where, where do you have Hendon Hooker rated on your quarterback list, like top three, top five, top six? Where, where do you have him uh, ranked? 
I'll, I'll put him at my fifth, uh, fifth quarterback, okay. like most draft pundits. You know, they have the top four guys, and uh, I'll put Hooker fifth, and I would have a second round grade on him. You know, I, I think you know because of quarterback desperation, you never know if some teams gonna jump on him in the first round. But, uh, you know, I, I think he's a second-round type of guy with all the factors we mentioned. I think that's fair. I, I really do. There's a lot of questions. You know, obviously his age is there. Uh, I don't really get, you know, too worried about that. But the ACL and, and the offense he's coming out of, and, again, really it's leaning on the offense that he's coming out of just because I've seen it up close and personal. Well, Ted, great stuff. Again, your piece, really good. I was, I was so intrigued by it as soon as I saw it because we've been talking a lot about Hendon Hooker. You got anything else coming out on The Athletic that we should be on the lookout for? I'm going to, I'm right about John, uh, uh, Ritter, uh, Desmond Ritter and his fit in the uh, Falcons offense. It seems like they're ready to move forward with him. So I'm going to write down what he showed um, last year and, and what Falcon fans can look forward to or you know, just quarterback fans in general to look forward to in his second year. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Uh, Ritter is a, is an intriguing guy. I, I liked him when he was at Cincinnati. I want to see what he's going to be able to do now in the NFL. Like you said, it does seem like they're ready to move forward with him. Well, Ted, great stuff as always, man. A really good piece on Hendon Hooker. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. I appreciate you. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. Ted Wynn right there from The Athletic at FB underscore film analysis on Twitter. And again, his piece, why Hendon Hooker is one of the most difficult quarterbacks to evaluate in 2023 NFL draft. This is Red Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Coming up at 4 o'clock, Nick Cattle, Sacktown Sports, my guy. Going to join us, talk a little Sacramento Kings as they're taking on the Golden State Warriors. We'll also ask him about Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler, the Raiders, what he thinks as a guy who has a, a Patriots podcast, and he's very familiar with Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler and multiple players that are on the silver and black right now. But uh, has some really good conversations. Ted Wynn from The Athletic joining us to talk all things Hendon Hooker. He ain't the only quarterback that's in this upcoming draft. And one that's obviously been talked about quite a bit is Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson. You heard Ted talk about uh, he really came from one of the, the most pro, pro-ready pro offenses. That's got DeMond up there uh, pumping up his chest. What He's more excited. can you want from the guy? He's excited about that. You know, it's so funny. There's a part of me that wants to say, go with the best defensive player. Don't make this too complicated. Just go get the guy because you know you need it. And then there's a part of me that's like, man, just swing for the fences and just say the hell with it and go, Right. And just have the and have the best dynamic player out there, right? And and that's that's a part of me. So I'm kind of torn because again, the the guy that wants to be smart tells me just get the best defensive player, stop overthinking this. And then there's another part of me that wants to be just a little risky, right? A little risky. A guy that wants to you know instead of going 75, go 85, right? All right. Well, let me ask you this: <laughs> maybe when light it, comes, it up a little bit when it comes to the risk. Which one would you regret more? Let's say if you take a defensive player, you take one corner or another, and it's like, man, that other guy's defensive rookie of the year caliber, or in two and three years, Anthony Richardson is looking like all they say that he could be. Well, I mean, I think it would be obvious that, you know, everyone would be kicking themselves if Anthony Richardson becomes that dude, right? I mean, if he becomes, and I, I just say this because he's been, you know, I guess compared to Cam Newton, if he becomes Cam Newton 2.0, I think everyone's going to kick themselves that that said, no, that's a bad decision, right? And, and, if he doesn't, if he becomes a bust, then everyone will be like, see, I told you. See, I told you. It's like no one wants to be wrong, and that's not the reason why I'm on the <laughs> fence with it. It's just I know how, how many holes the team needs, right? I mean, that's the thing about it. And we always say don't draft for need. Draft the best player available. But you know that it always has a, a slant to what you need to, right? I mean, we'd be dumb if we were just like, oh, it's going to be the best player available. Because in that case, somebody's taking B. John Robinson, they don't need him. Exactly. You know? I mean, it's just, that's, and hell, it could have been the Raiders. 
right? I mean, he literally could be the seventh best player in the draft if you just want to go off of who the best player is. And if if you're just going off best player, then hell, Jalen Carter should still go number one, right? I mean, so it's just it's so difficult, man, and that's why this this time of year is so hard. And then we you know we go and we talk to guys like Gilbert Manzano that we talked to yesterday from the morning Monday morning quarterback, four quarterbacks. Out of the, are the, are part of the top twenty picks in the last ten years? Four, and we're talking about four quarterbacks in the top ten. Like, are, are they all going to be good? And I think Lamar Jackson was the only quarterback that was honorable mention. Right. I mean, you know, and he was a former MVP. So I don't know. It's just it's so hard to evaluate. And I mean, look, Lamar Jackson, former MVP, he's fighting for a damn contract. Right. Where are we with that? There's there's something to be said with that, but. With all that being said, Anthony Richardson is a very intriguing person, a very intriguing prospect. A lot of people, I'm sure, are on the fence. They might not admit that they're on the fence, but I'm sure a lot of people are on the fence, just like I am, when it comes to what's the best way to go with the silver and black. Well, you heard uh, on Rich Eisen's show on Monday, and you were able to pull this audio, and I thought it was really good, uh, a little bit of conversation. Was this Tom Pelissero from the NFL Network? Yeah, Tom Pelissero was on Rich Eisen's show. Tom Pelissero from the NFL Network joined Rich Eisen. Of course, you can hear Rich Eisen right before JT the Brick here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And this is the conversation they had about Anthony Richardson and who is interested in Anthony Richardson. Okay, and so tell me who loves Anthony Richardson the most. What are you hearing about that? It's a really good question, Rich. I was at that pro day, and the Raiders had spent a lot of time with him. They took him out to dinner the night before. They're bringing him in for a visit as well. And they've done a lot of diligence on the quarterbacks, which is interesting because if you look at Jimmy Garoppolo's contract, it's really he's going to be the quarterback for two years. There's not a lot of outs in the deal. He's due like $50 million over two years. He's going to be there. But with Richardson, you're also getting a guy who you probably don't want to play uh, day one. Q. <laughs> the dinners. I'm telling you, man, I think that the din- the dinners mean something. The yeah. dinners mean something. They mean something. They mean that they're getting to know the player, right? Taking them out to dinner and getting to know them. And, I mean, that's, that's, that's something to it. That's all part of the process. I think what was big for Anthony Richardson was last Friday when he was here in Henderson at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center and actually on the whiteboard and, you know, retaining knowledge. And, you know, we see glimpses of it when Steve Mariucci jumps on the the whiteboard on NFL Network. Gruden used to have the guys on the whiteboard all the time. You start to see glimpses of, all right, I'm going to rattle this playoff to you. Then I'm going to talk to you about your grandmother cooking back in the day. And all of a sudden I'm going to say, hey, by the way, DeMond, give me that uh, play that I gave you again. And then your retention of it, right? That's That goes a long way. And, you know, with Josh McDaniels, his plays – I don't think they're as lengthy as John Gruden's plays were. I don't know that to be a fact, but we always heard everything about Gruden's plays were like the longest and most detailed, all these different you know terminology and everything. I don't know if Josh McDaniels is that, that detailed, but at the same time, if he impressed them on the whiteboard, they might not have been leading in Anthony Richardson. They very well could be now. And you talk about the visit, but I also want to go back to the pro day. Dave Ziggler was the first one in there to congratulate him after that final throw. I saw that. He was the first one. That. He had dibs on him to be the first one to say, <laughs> hey, man, good job out there. No, you're right. I mean, you're right about I, that. I think the team likes maybe, him. Maybe that was all part of the plan of the smokescreen. Like, hold on. <laughs> Where's that? Di- oh, there's that camera. There's the NFL Network's camera. Hold on. As soon as he makes his throw, I'm going to run out there and congratulate him. My man. <laughs> <laughs> That'll throw him off the scent. <laughs> I think the team likes him more than than they're like letting us know because you know you don't want to like you know tell you know show your hand too soon. No, but for me, it is the fact that the quarterback arms race where it is. Man, we like him, but 
we don't want to move up to three. Let's let's just wait it out and see if anybody else does it. Because I do think that if he if he falls to seven, or if it's hey, you don't have to worry about it. If it's just hey, man, it's between Tyree Wilson and Anthony Richardson at seven. I think they would just go ahead and take Anthony Richardson. I mean, it, it, they could. They really could. And you know, the thing about it is, it's so difficult to evaluate cornerbacks in in the in the draft it really is and so one of the questions that I asked Mel Kuyper earlier today was about that evaluation process because I was thinking of Gilbert Manzano's his uh you know his his article that he that he had out there on Monday Morning Quarterback that we talked to him about here on the show yesterday and it's so difficult and again looking at the top 20 in the last 10 years and only seeing four quarterbacks you're talking about Patrick Mahomes Joe Burrow Josh Allen and Justin Herbert and those are the only four quarterbacks that you're talking about in the top 20 picks in the last 10 years it just blew my mind. So I had to ask one of the questions. I'll tell you this, Demond, a little quick story. I got really greedy on this uh, conference call. I mean, it was an hour and a half long, right? So I was probably maybe the fifth guy that they called. So I got to call in really early, or I got my question in really early. And I, first of all, I had a two-part question that were two different things, so we had to address them basically separately. And then towards the end, I double-dipped, and I got back into it. And all of a sudden, the lady that's conducting it was like, and we'll go back out to Vegas with Q. Thank you. <laughs> So Thank you. I stole a little bit of extra time because, well, why not? Right? If you're going to be on the call, might as well, you know, at least I ask good questions. Exactly. Because, you know, these calls, one or two guys are going to ask, like, uh, did you really need to ask that type of question? Exactly. But the question that I thought was a really good one was about evaluating the quarterbacks, especially in the top 10 with these this year when we're really literally talking about four of them. And on his latest mock draft, he has them going boom, 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 boom. One, two, three, four. All four quarterbacks back to back to back to back. So why is it so difficult to evaluate quarterbacks, why are they so hit or miss? Top 10 overall, uh, you know, for quarterbacks, the, the way it looks right, it's, they're just so interchangeable. Uh, it depends what you want. If you say that height or size is a factor that eliminates a quarterback, if he doesn't you know, fall within a certain parameter, then Bryce Young's out. If you say a quarterback needs to have a certain number of starts, then Anthony Richardson's out. If you say a quarterback had to finish strong and play well in that final year, then Will Levis is out because he was hurt. If you say a quarterback... Uh, you know, like C.J. Stroud had great talent around him uh, that assisted him. You know, the Ohio State quarterback thing hasn't been great, even though Justin Fields is showing great promise. Then you look at Stroud a little differently. So all these quarterbacks, you can you can find a reason not to take them. But you can also find, as Bill Walsh always said, the late great Bill Walsh, don't tell me what they can't do, tell me what they can do. And I can tell you what all of them can do. And uh, that's why they're all going to go within, the, I think, the top four. If one slides, it would probably be Levis, who could become this year's Josh Allen, Justin Fields, you know, and drop down just a bit. Maybe somebody like they did with Justin. The Bears moved up from 20 to 11 to get him. The Bills move up from 12 to 7 to get Josh Allen. Maybe if Will Levis starts to slide, maybe somebody tries to move up and get him. But they all, I think three of those four definitely go in the top group. And one, if, if one slides, it may be Will Levis. Yeah, I don't know where that phone call came from. Yeah, I mean, it was your question. It wasn't you in the background. I don't have no house phone. <laughs> Who has a house phone? Somebody on that call. Obviously. I was looking around. It's funny. When I started hearing that damn thing ring, I'm looking around. I'm looking. First of all, who's not on mute, right? I just asked the question, and I'm on mute. So I'm getting the answer. The only person. So I'm thinking, is that Mel? And he's old enough to have a house phone, right? I mean, so I thought, maybe it's him. Maybe, you know, because he's on the Zoom call, maybe that's his house phone ringing. I don't know. Maybe someone has a fax machine. It ain't me. But I looked around thinking, can someone please mute themselves on this thing? But, uh, yeah, there was that. But there you go. I mean, he, 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 I like what he said about don't tell me what they can't do. Tell me what they can do. I thought that that's pretty important because what Anthony Richardson can do is be a dominant player.
We do know that. We talked to Emory Hunt earlier today. He has him as his number one quarterback. Mm-hmm. It's so all over the, the place when it comes to Richardson. One quick question, then we'll take a break. Who's a bigger risk, Anthony Richardson or Jalen Carter? That's from the 707 on our don'tbebroke.com text line. I ask you the question, who's the bigger risk? Anthony Richardson, but he's also the bigger reward. Is he? Yes. Are you sure? If we're talking about, would you rather have an all-pro quarterback or an all-pro defense tackle? Okay, would you rather have, let me ask you, the, well, I guess that's a good question. If, if we're going to just say ceiling. Depending on what your team what, needs. What, what's the, okay, let me ask you this. What's the ceiling? What's the ceiling in your opinion for Anthony Richardson? Like, who, who's a, a, a quarterback you compare him to? Cam Newton. And like I said, if he, can, if he can at least give you five great years where it's like, man, he was at least top three for five years, give me that as a quarterback. Cam Newton or, let's say, Aaron Donald. Who would you rather have? I see. That's why I don't you think it's, what? I don't think it's that easy to answer. On. I think you I'm, not think gonna, I'm not going back down. Cam okay. Newton. Cam Newton for Demond. All right, that's fine. I'm not mad. I think it's a. I think you have to think about it for a minute. I did. I, <laughs> both are great, right? I mean, you'd be blessed to have either one of them. But I think it's a tougher decision than just oh, that's easy, right? I think that's a good question right there. Who's a bigger risk, Anthony Richardson or Jalen Carter? Jalen Carter could easily be the most dominant player in the game. Anthony Richardson could easily be the best, the most dominant player in the game, right? And at the most important position. So I guess you would tip the cap to Anthony Richardson, but I still think for a team that especially needs defense like the Raiders, it may be a question that you have. 3.57 is the time. We'll come back. We'll kick off hour number three. We'll get to your text. Plus, Nick Cattle, Sacktown Sports. He'll join the show, talk all things Kings. We'll dip some Raiders in there as well. It's Raiders Radio 920.